That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Hey there, Samuel Song listeners. This is Aaron. Jake, say hi. And this is Jake. Well done. So we want to jump into these readings for the second Sunday of Advent, but we also want to ask you to consider a gift to Mockingbird as you are doing all your year and stuff. I know everybody's asking for your gifts and tithes and offerings. We just went through Giving Tuesday and I saw that this now makes the Wednesday after the official delete the onslaught of fundraising emails day. So we're now well past that. And maybe you're just thinking about how much Same Old Song has made a difference for your life, your ministry. And, you know, as it, it's funny, I'm the one that with Jake, you know, we record this and it actually is a blessing to me because there's mm. often a big gap between when we record and when the episodes drop. And sometimes I go back and listen to the episodes and, <laughs> and, and it helps me as I preach. So whatever this uh, podcast means to you, if it's made a difference in your life, we uh, ask that you think about uh, giving a gift to support Mockingbird as this uh, year draws to a close. You just go to ember.com and uh, just a few taps and clicks will do it. And we are so grateful. And I know many of you already do support and that's, that means a lot. So thanks. Now, Jake. It's time for the same old song. Yeah, let's do it. You doing okay? I'm doing great. Just in the final seasons here, you know, we have our big lessons and carols. So if you happen to be in New York City on December 10th at around four o'clock, uh, come and see the uh, one of the oldest lessons and carols in the country. It is um, it is something to behold. And so uh, we fill up the historic St. George's Church. About a thousand people come, sing some carols, and we hear the old, old story. So right now I'm kind of on the edge of my seat uh, making sure all those details are finished and uh, making sure sermons are done. And um, yeah, and just the Christmas finals, the Christmas push, you know how it goes. That's right. Uh, My last carol service is one of the oldest in the country. I know. (laughs) I love Uh, it. You're the best, Jake. Seriously, if you're in New York, don't mess it. I only make fun of Jake because I'm jealous. Uh, it really is. Every, every year, we I could see trade places on the, the social meds. <laughs> uh, we could, we could, but I'm gonna. I think I have some uh, some commitments here that I need to need to keep. But I, uh, I gotta say, uh, do pray for your clergy uh, this time of year if you are not one. Uh, and uh, there's a, there's a lot going on. But I, I will say it's always the same every year. You know, speaking of the same old song, like it's intense. It's a lot, and yet somehow the baby Jesus arrives, and it's always so beautiful and uh, and meaningful. So we hope that what we do here today, whether you're in the pews or in the pulpit, will help you as, um, as we enter this season of Advent. So let's get into it, these readings for the second Sunday of Advent. Everybody uh, who is uh, listening to this will hear a sermon. If you're in a church that uses lectionary, you'll be hearing this sermon or preaching the sermon on Sunday, December 10th. Uh, and so it'll be in that time that it, <laughs> it begins to get like... 
you know, the gifts haven't purchased themselves and uh, the family planning uh, for the dinners and all that sort of stuff is happening. It just gets to be a stressful time. And that's why these readings uh, could not be uh, more appropriate where in this stressful second Sunday of Advent, we hear the prophet Isaiah in chapter 40 say, comfort Oh, comfort my people. So we will begin with Isaiah 40. We'll uh, get into then 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 15a. And then we'll uh, head into the Gospel of Mark, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, which is not the Christmas story. You know, a lot of people think in Advent we should be getting the Christmas story, and we're not. We're getting into these um, these stories in the Old and New Testaments about the the God who comes to save his people. So let's jump in. Isaiah 40, with comfort, comfort my people, originally written by Handel, and, uh, but, then, uh, but then covered by Isaiah right. in chapter 40 here. So, uh, yeah, Jake, this voice is crying out in the wilderness. Uh, what would you preach if you're preaching this, um, this passage? Well, you know, I think uh, what I would want to say to them is that, indeed, comfort is so much more than uh, Handel's Messiah. Uh, but rather comfort in this promise. So this is takes place in the midst of um, kind of captivity and difficulty. And uh, and who isn't experiencing that during right now, during the Walgreens um, CVS Christmas, and uh, where it's mm. all about spending, go, go, go. And, uh, you know, so often a lot of the wounds from the past can come up during this particular season. Maybe um, you'll find it in your parishioners, maybe, you know, um, you know, Bill and Mary were married in June, but or were divorced in June, and everything was fine, and it seemed like it's final. But now, all of a sudden, you know, those wounds as uh, Bill is experiencing the first Christmas alone because the kids are with Mary. Uh, maybe you, you know, somebody had a family tradition of going to Pop Pop's house or whoever it is, you know, and uh, Pop Pop died in March, and everybody thought it was fine, but now they're not having that big family tradition. And um, Uncle Steve and uh, and uh, you know Aunt Kathy are fighting about whose Christmas it's going to be. And so, you know, there's all, I mean, you know, I could lay that all out. I mean, I'm not, these are all actual people, Jake. (laughs) I'm not talking talking about you. We'll be hearing from their lawyers talking about me. But anyway, but what I'm saying (laughs) is, is that, uh, you know, there's a lot of discomfort Mm -hmm. and comfort is the joy and the peace. It's the fruit of what God actually gives a person, um, sometimes in the midst of incredible, incredible pain. And comfort is what we all need during this holiday season. You know, I remember I was with, actually, this is an actual person. I was with a parishioner uh, who, a young guy who was dying of cancer. And um, man, and we were at the very end, we were like stage seven. And uh, I mean, it just was like morphine all the time. And I remember I was like, you know, what can I what can I do? How can I help you? And he was like, I just need some comfort. And uh, ultimately that comfort came uh, with death. But um, the point is, is Merry Christmas, everyone. But the point is, is that comfort is a fruit that God gives. And uh, and uh, even in the midst of hard times to comfort us and console us from the pain uh, that so much of life oftentimes throws at us. Now, how he does it is where the gospel's actually found. And that comes from this voice crying out in the wilderness and what this voice in the wilderness is going to point to. Yeah, which we will see uh, at the at the end of our 
podcast today and at the end of our readings as we get into Mark because it is the it's the sort of the fulfillment of this prophecy from Isaiah. So you definitely get these bookends here with this Sunday. And if you preach on Isaiah, you definitely need to mention Mark. If you preach on Mark, you need to mention Isaiah just because they're they are uh, tied together. And uh, the I think you know we see again these themes of Advent of um, the the temporary nature of everything you have in this passage the grass withers the flower fades but the word of our god will stand forever you um you get this uh sense of um the difficulty of life as you kind of touched on so clearly jake um in in family situations and and the thing is i think so many so many sermons that i have heard in my life seem to forget the the Bills and Marys of the world and the Steves and Cathy's and all the other white people you named in your examples. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, um, uh, the, uh, they they preach like people's families aren't falling apart. They mm-hmm. preach like people's uh, every parent gets along with their children. They they preach like um, nobody has an eating disorder. They just preach these sort of shallow sermons mm-hmm. like uh, here's a deep thought about God and like <laughs> now go have a nice yeah. Christmas. And and that's not what is happening here. I um, know about making it, straight ways in the desert. You know what I mean? <laughs> I did that in my garden. I mean, really. I mean, actually, yeah, you want to yeah. talk about that, Aaron. That's a very powerful illustration that comes right here is that every valley shall be lifted up and every Mm. mountain and hill be made low and the uneven ground shall become level and the rough places plain. I mean, this is what God does. And so often, I mean, and he does this oftentimes to get our attention. And that is, uh, you know, he uh, takes the very places where we feel low and he lifts us up there. And uh, the mm-hmm. places that we're standing on our own two feet, well, goodness, uh, that's going to be made low. And that's something that everybody experiences during the season of, a, uh, of Advent, is that just when one part of their foot footing seems like it's getting stable, there's another part that's shaking loose. And uh, that is because, um, uh, well, uh, like Israel found out and like we all find out, we cannot rely upon ourselves. Uh, we need this one who brings comes and brings comfort. Yeah, and yeah, uh, we've probably already spoken too long about this because who's going to preach on the Old Testament, really? That's a joke. That's a joke. I love the Old Testament. But I do want to say something here, uh, and this is eminently preachable. I actually highly encourage you to, to, to talk about this passage because we all need a word of comfort. But this, the Bible here does this incredible thing of talking about comfort but also talking about real life and um, uh, talking, as I said, about the temporary nature of human life, which is to say death. Uh, and that's one of the things that Advent is about. Uh, you know, these seasons of – and Advent is to some extent a season of penance a little bit, just like a, a Lent is where you talk about the the last things, um, sin, death, judgment. Uh, and here, this idea of the grass withering and the flower fading, that is definitely about the the brevity of human life. I mean, you talked about the guy with cancer who who died. We just had a beloved, devoted member of this parish where I serve die, and um, uh, two actually, and uh, and this is hard stuff. And it makes me think about the end of the last battle by C.S. Lewis, where in this story, there's this great battle against this huge enemy coming up and um, the Narnians are outnumbered. And if this were a story that were written by Hollywood or something, there would be some unforeseen ally that shows up at the last minute and they defeat the enemy and Narnia is preserved. Whatever. But what actually happens is they all die. They're completely wiped out. They're decimated. And they suddenly find themselves in heaven. 
and they learned that Narnia was actually just like a pale copy of the real thing, the real place. And, you know, in Christian idea, our real citizenship is in heaven. And I think there is something to say to your people. I, you know, I think about the parishioners that we've had die um, as um, we grieve, and this is sad, but also they have found comfort finally um they have found the fulfillment and so i think there is a word here for christian where you can say god is coming to rescue and the the low the valleys will be lifted up and you will find yourself on a high mountain um and it may be in this life but it also may be in the next life but no matter where or how or when it happens god will redeem god will save um god does as isaiah ends the lord god comes with might his reward is with him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. And this beautiful picture of God holding you, this will happen for everybody. It might happen soon. It might happen in a long time, but this will happen. And of course, you can talk, if you do preach on the Isaiah passage, you need to let the people know that the shepherd who gathers the lambs in his arms is Jesus Christ, the yeah. good shepherd. And and that's kind of where you want to take this passage. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, Keeping it light and airy, moving on to Second Peter chapter three, verses eight through fifteen a. Um, this again is about <laughs> death, the end of things, the second advent of Jesus Christ, his his second coming, um, and is talking about elements dissolving with fire and and all that. And this, I think, another great statement about how time works. It, with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and mm. a thousand years are like one day. Um, and you know, we want everything to be fixed now, but it's not. And so we're waiting. That uncomfortable uh, place Fugazi sang about, the waiting room. I got there. You can't, you can't see it, listeners, but I got a little little chuckle out of Jake on that one. Um, Jake's got a big, uh, a big uh, chapter of his life that was devoted to punk bands. That's right. Uh, and hardcore. So, mm. yeah. Uh, there's something here. I want to say something about uh, moralism and how people might read some of these verses. But Jake, what would you want to add about Second Peter? Well, I think that this is yeah, this is a great thing to remember that um, <laughs> um, I've, you know that uh, not everything is actually about you. Everything's about what? you, but it's it's not about you. And uh, this is uh, uh, so often the thing. And one of the things was that was going on with this particular church is that they were feeling you know. They were feeling perceived. They were like, didn't Jesus say he's coming back for us? Didn't he say some, you know what I mean? What's going on here? And people were dying and people not only have difficulty understanding, like when, especially when the times are tough, people have a difficult time understanding God's timing, um, but also a difficult time to, a difficult, difficulty appreciating time and how God like shapes us in the midst of that. And that's one of like the great actual gifts of um, the Jewish and Christian tradition that we celebrate during the season of Advent is that uh, God, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, got us off the circle and put us mm. on a line. And there's a beginning yeah. and there's an end. And uh, and it reminds us with the beginning and the end that, that life is a line. Um, well, sure, life is short, but sometimes it can be really, really effing long, especially when it's hard. And, uh, and what was happening is, is that in the midst of real difficulty, these Christians that were in Peter's church were beginning to say life is long. And the delay that these people were experiencing, uh, well, it was just getting really frustrating. And Paul reminds them, sure, everything's about you, but it's not about you. And that this time, do not consider God slow concerning his promises. Some count slowness, but he's patient 
uh, with us, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And there's this great idea that in the midst of like your long, long like life and in the midst of sometimes some of these things that um, actually it's okay just for a moment to give up and uh, put your life in the hands of a merciful Savior who's got all of time um, in his hand and is working out all things for the good. And that, you know, uh, the point of this period is for us to be to hear and be reminded of the gospel. And the point of this time is also for us to share the gospel so that yeah. others might repent, be baptized and believe in the Lord. And so, you know, this um, this delay is uh, is very crucial and it's a time uh, for um, for repentance and, uh, and this goes back to the idea of God, too, bringing the people of Israel in captivity so that, you know, they might experience his pardon and grace and mercy. And, uh, and so that's what this is about. It's about you, but it's not about you. Yeah, I, I think, too, it's important to r- think about what does repentance mean and what does it mean, this call to holiness and godliness. Like a lot of people hear, repent. Uh, be holy, and they hear it in very moralistic terms. And I think it's important to remember that when asked, what is the work that God requires, Jesus answered to believe in the one in whom he is sent. So repentance is repenting from works righteousness and an ego-driven, self-driven existence and into um, a life that, I mean, holiness is the way St. Paul describes it, is the way Jesus describes it. What does it mean? It means uh, a life of, of love. Um, of um, of joy, uh, of being in relationship with God, in relationship with others. We tend to make God's, often when we hear words like holiness and righteousness, we make God sort of the, uh, the grumpy Sunday school teacher in the sky who's just looking to reprimand you. Um, and that's not at all what, it, what we see holiness and godliness look like in, in the life of Jesus Christ. He was someone who was always moving towards people, always, um, you know, he, he was uh, called a friend of sinners, uh, and he was uh, the life of the party. So I think um, holiness and godliness means someone who loves others, someone who is uh, at peace with him or herself, kind of comfortable in their own skin because they know that they themselves are loved. Um, it's the opposite of an anxious kind of person. Uh, it's someone who's at rest and who's, who's at peace. And that's what he's talking about. He says, strive to be found by him at peace. Um, without spot or blemish. That means someone who is at rest because she or he knows that they are loved. And, um, and again, this is, a, this is a place where you will say, well, gosh, if I could do that, I wouldn't have spent the last 10 years in therapy. And so I hear that. But so see this as a description of what the Holy Spirit is doing in you as opposed to a prescription of what, you know, another thing on your to-do list. Um, knowing that, that God is the one who will bring about the promises that God has made to you. But, um, but just uh, caution against moralism and hearing this about a call to a life where you are someone who knows that you are loved and because of that is able to love others and be at rest. I have moments, like I get about two minutes of that per day. Um, you know, it used to be one minute, it used to be 30 seconds, it used to be 10 seconds. Um, um, so whatever that looks like for you. But this How much longer do you have until you retire? Is a, is a, is a, I know, I know. <laughs> I'll be there. Then yeah, I'll be I'll happy. Never, I'll never get there. Um, but it's a call to resting in God's love for you. Um, Jesus Christ said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if you ever hear scripture in a way where it's not easy or light, maybe um, yeah. rethink how you're thinking it. Um, this, so that's what I would say about this. Yeah, and this, you know, this ties in a little bit too. I was saying about this, like Hebrews 11, 
Um, Hebrews 11 is this very famous chapter where you have the hall of saints, you know, Old Testament saints who they lived by faith. They did this by faith. And, you know, and uh, but what 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 is what is that? Well, it's um, the things that we cannot see and the things things hope for and things we cannot see. And uh, it says all these people, 1113, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the thing promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People yeah. who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. Um, if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. And therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And you know what? That promise is for you, too, as you wait as well. And this is really what he's uh, Peter's getting at here, Second Peter, the author. But in accordance with his promise, what's his promise? Well, it's in Jesus. And we now know it. You know what I mean? It's all been given to you. We wait for a new heavens and a new earth as well, where righteousness is at home. And, uh, you know, and so, and therefore, because we wait as well in accordance with this promise that has been fully revealed, you can know in the midst of your struggles that God is not ashamed of you either, and that your struggles is not a result of something you do or haven't done, uh, but your struggle is uh, what it is to be a part of life as we bear our crosses, as we make our way to this new heavenly country. And so that's why he says, beloved, while you're waiting for these things, strive to be found at peace in him. That's what comes from hearing the gospel. Without spot or blemish, that's who you are because of the gospel. Mm. And uh, mm. because of that, you can regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. I uh, know that uh, he is, uh, while we wait for him, he's forming you and conforming you into the image of his son, Jesus. <clears throat> Amen. Well, as that is going on, we now turn to Mark chapter 1, the beginning of this gospel that you will be reading through in this year of the liturgical uh, cycle. And we begin. Mark just comes right out of the gate, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. And in some versions, it'll say gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Good news means gospel. Gospel means good news. Uh, um, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begins with this person who is the Messiah. Christ is a title, not a name. It means Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God. So this claim of divinity. And there's no birth story. There's no narrative of the trip to Bethlehem and the angels and the shepherds or any of that. It's just Jesus coming right out of the gate, um, quoting Isaiah here and uh, and with John the baptizer, um, who is... Uh, um, Who's, who's going to baptize Jesus uh, mm -hmm. in the Jordan River? By the way, in my sermons, I almost never say John the Baptist because uh, I live in a town that's full of Baptists, and there and there's and there's also a lot of non-churched people here. So if you don't know, <laughs> maybe you think Baptist is just a denomination. So here yeah. I am reading about John the Baptist or talking about John, John the, Baptist. the Baptizer. It's it's like saying Sean the Presbyterian and Dante the uh, the Pentecostal and whatever. So. Um, I always call him John the Baptizer. I like the NRSV, how they have that. That's his, his name here. Um, and again, don't assume anybody knows who John the Baptizer is. Don't assume biblical literacy. Don't assume they know about camel hair and eating locusts and honey and all this sort of stuff. Um, you may have to do some of the explanatory work just to just to kind of situate people um, that this is happening in Israel. This is um, on the Jordan River. You know, everybody's hearing about the West Bank right now. You can tell them that that is referring to the west bank of the, this river. Um, so everybody's seeing maps on their evening news um, about what's about this this region. And so 
what's happening here is the son, the person who's the hype man for Jesus is is announcing that the Messiah is to come. So the one that Isaiah promised uh, to set things right, to bring comfort, all that 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 is actually happening now, and um, and I think a couple of things to 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 note here. One that it's about re- forgiveness of sins. There's a lot of people that want to talk about Jesus as an example, which he is, or Jesus as a teacher, which he is. But note that John the baptizer and the scriptures, when they announce Jesus, his um, his main thing is uh, forgiveness of sins. And uh, it's for everyone. This is sort of interesting. People from Jerusalem, uh, as well as from the countryside, the town folks, the city folks, and the country folks, everybody has sins to confess. There's kind of a universal nature about that. I think you can mention in this story. And the final thing I would say is that um, this passage to me always indicates that human beings need from religion a lot more than simply a call to get your act together. Because John the baptizer definitely told people to get their act together, but the Bible doesn't end with him. It continues with Jesus, which is why he has to say, there's somebody even more powerful coming after me, because you don't need just uh, something to fix you on the outside, i.e. to baptize you with water, as he says, but you need someone to fix you on the inside, that is, to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So that's Mm. what I would do with this. Jake, uh, what would you add? uh, I would say all of those things, I would say all of those things that you said, but I, I would add also, so here you have this interesting character that everyone and their mom is coming out to see. Uh, You have this interesting figure um, in the wilderness who fulfills prophecy uh, from uh, how many years earlier? I mean, it's like, you know, um, here we have this person and uh, this is a big, big deal. And this is actually the first time that God is really coming back onto the scene in Israel for over 500 years. And so all of a sudden, everybody's gathering around and just picture it. I mean, this is the first time that God has done anything in over 500 years. And he says, there is one more powerful than I is coming after me. And I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. That's powerful. Mm. What do you mean? Well, then he goes, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing is that this one who's far more powerful than John the Baptist could ever imagine uh, the one whom he's not worthy to untie the thongs of his sandals, as you read in the two other accounts of this, um, Matthew and Luke. Well, he gets in the water and he's baptized by John. And he's baptized by John in order to fulfill all righteousness. And what that means is that this one who is greater than John the Baptist um, identifies with you in every single way. Um, And he is for you in every single way in the midst of all of the holiday darkness. And he has entered into the darkness as the light of the world. And and the light has uh, shined in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And uh, that is true. And when you were baptized, you were given his very presence, uh, called the Holy Spirit, who now dwells in your heart. And uh, no matter where you go, and no matter what happens, Christ himself has promised to never leave you or forsake you. Amen. So keep it focused on the gospel. Keep it focused on Christ. Uh, keep the Christ in Advent. And uh, we, we wish you all uh, a blessed, um, blessed second Sunday of Advent. And we'll see you, um, <clears throat> see you real soon. God bless. Bye now. Somebody's looking, somebody cares Somebody wonders what you're doing today You know it could
Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.